Welcome to the very first episode of the much-delayed Ride the Pine podcast. My name is Jack Ziskin, alongside my co-host John John Levecchia. First up for today's pilot episode, we sit down with the NCDC team. Next up, we'll be talking to head coach Alexei Nikiforov of the PAL Junior Islanders Elite Team. We're talking about their big win over Wilkes-Barre Scranton. And finally, we'll close things out with an interview with Andrew Tufto of the uh, Everything Junior Hockey Podcast. So we're excited. We're, we're happy to be here. Once again, apologies for the delay. We had a bit of a stomach bug going around where we, we were pretty much all sick. So some of this content we've been sitting on for a little while. But sit back, relax, and we hope you enjoy it. I'm Jack Siskin alongside John John Levecchia. We got Shane Zarcone here today. How are you doing, Shane? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Oh, it's it's my pleasure, really. Um, uh, so you guys are coming off a 6-3 win against the Hitmen. I know that was a big win for you guys. How are you guys feeling about that right now? Uh, we're feeling hot. I think we're on a four-game win streak now, so feels right. good, and we're looking forward to Wilkes-Barre. All right, so you got Wilkes-Barre Scranton this weekend. What do you guys think is going to be key to beating them? Uh, I think just sticking to our game and not playing down. Um, just making sure we're playing good, staying consistent, playing hard, get pucks in that. All right, all right, that's all good. Get pucks deep. Never heard that one before from a hockey player, <laughs> but uh, all right. So we get that out of the way. Now we can move on to the important stuff. So, you know, the first thing I learned about you guys is that you really like fruit snacks. I got to ask, why is that the snack of choice? <laughs> I don't really know. I think we were playing a team one day, and I think they had, uh, they had fruit snacks out on uh, one of their tables, yeah. and looked good so took them because you took all of them right yeah i think so so it's like taking the bowl like on halloween night that's, yeah pretty right, much that's pretty fantastic. much you got any questions sean john i mean really is my co-host You're making me look bad here I... all right so miranda is really hung up on uh Wilson's hair <laughs> and how great that is tyler Wilson. i'm so sorry my please my my sincerest apologies so, all right, so what is it that Rolston does? Like, how long has he spending in there doing his I, I mean, we'll, we'll give it to the house, guys. We'll give it to the house, guys. So, uh, me and Smitty do happen to live with Tyler in the house, and uh, I say he spends a good 45 minutes a day uh, sh- shampooing and conditioning his hair. Uh, he does live in the master bedroom, so uh, there are days where I come in there and I see him. He's standing in front of the mirror with his brush, uh, leaning his head to the left a lot of the time to get the nice curls going. But that's, uh, that's what he spends the majority of his time doing, is uh, shampooing and conditioning. What kind of conditioner? Um, I don't know. It's got no label, so I think it's, yeah, some, un- I think it's some underground he's stuff. It. It, it, he is. He's got yeah. the four shampoo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so some of you guys wanted to talk about your hometowns. I know that's what Miranda talked a lot about. That's what you guys want to do in this group setting. Uh, I mean, I'll start. I got, I got the phone right now. So... Yeah. Uh, no, I, I, I am from Buffalo, New York. Uh, you know, Bills Mafia. Let's roll. But uh, I mean, Buffalo's a great city. You know. I mean, every, every. No way. There's yeah. no way you just did that. Underrated city for sure. I mean, Mike Fernelli would probably say it's a top five. That's crazy. That's disgusting. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, the sports haven't been great for a long time. It's really sad. The Bills playoff drought, Sabers. I don't know what's going on there, but there's some hope. I mean, the Bills are good, good again. Tage Thompson is just absolutely lighting the lamp whenever he touches the puck. What's up? I think I think I'm gonna hand it over to Shane Zarcone now. Carney, Carney. Uh, I'm a hometown boy. I'm from Huntington, New York, so it's like 20 minutes from the rink we play at. Um, 
don't think there's too many Long Island guys on our team. How many? Like five or six. So yeah, yeah. Um, I know a lot of Michigan guys. This I know year. you yeah, two. Are. A lot of Michigan guys. Uh, so there's nothing really special about Huntington. It's just a good place. Huntington Village is a good spot. A lot of the boys will go there, or then kind of by the house, Brookhaven is where a lot of people play. So I'm gonna hand the phone to Luca. What is it about, like my hometown? Yeah, hometown. I mean, just grew up a Long Island guy. Uh, grew up in uh, Northport. Played right. for the Royals my first couple of years. Then I moved over to Glenhead. Played for the Gulls. I mean, just Long Island, just a great place. I think just. It's just awesome. I don't know. You played a couple <laughs> years with Jeremy Wilmer, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. What was it like playing with him? He's at a BC or BU? BU. He's at BU, yeah. I mean, he was a great player. Like, I was on a line with him, and I would just get the puck, and I wouldn't even, like, I, would, I, wouldn't even, I wasn't even expecting it half the time to so just give me the puck. How did that just, help you develop your game? It's always good to play with someone like that, obviously. I mean, yeah, he was always just, like, helping me, like, on, like, little tips with the do. I'm just... I mean, I got a lot of goals from it. Also, he just he just find me back door. But yeah, it was just it was really fun playing with him. Dustin, New York. I don't live too far from Long Island, but I live in Brookhaven, uh, in a house with ten guys. Um, Did you play for the Vipers growing up at all? Or no, that was teams? that was close by, but I played up in Connecticut for Midfield. Right. So, right. so you played in Connecticut. Yeah. Coaches that really helped you develop at Um, I had a couple coaches in Midfield. One was Martin St. Louis. Um, all right. So they got. So, so he went to coach and you did the Canadians. Yeah. That. All right. Yeah. He was a great coach. He was on us a lot. Uh, and this while I was at boarding school, he was my coach. So. What was the other one you said? Um, I had a couple coaches. One was Lance Marciano. He was a great guy. All right. All right. Um, but yeah, I went to boarding school and just kind of the going back and forth from campus to travel and playing hockey was was a great time. Um, but growing up playing in Connecticut took a lot from my parents to like drive me back and forth every day, 30 minutes to um, practice every day. So. Um, I had a great experience growing up and met a lot of great people and just thankful for it. Uh, all right, so, uh, Canada, you want to take it down? Yep. Hello. <coughs> I'm also a Long Island guy. Grew, <laughs> grew up in uh, Waiting River, so I'm, I'm out east. So boys always <laughs> chirp me saying I live in Guam because I live like two hours away from everybody. But um, grew up playing with Luca and uh, another guy, DJ Walsh, so grew up playing with them. And, yeah, I can't complain about playing on the island. It's a great place to play. Yeah, um, uh, so you were on the Premier Team last year, right? Yeah, I was on the Premier Team. And now I think, uh, are you tied with Zach Hahn for points lead in my defenseman <laughs> right now? Or? So, actually, Hewitt is leading Hewitt? the defense. Oh, yeah, he's up there. And then I believe it's Hahn, then me. But really, not really a point race. More points chasing CJR and the Hitmen. So, it's, that's the, those, are, those are the points we're concerned with at the moment. making it about your teammates. Um, uh, talk about, like, uh, what it was like, like the transition from to NCDC because obviously there's a difference in ability there. So. Um, so the transition, it was, it was, it was a difference in speed. Like the NCDC is uh, on another level than Premier, but the coaching staff of Premier, Jack Gregg and um, Mark Koo is, along the way helped me develop my game so I was ready for the speed. And uh, at the end of the year, practicing and playing the game with them, it was, it was good for my development. So, yeah. Camilla played on the... Uh I played in a different league last year. All right, so why don't we talk about that? Yeah, so I grew up in Michigan. I have like 30 minutes southwest of Detroit. I live in like a little small like farm town pretty much. And last year I played in the EHL for Philly Little Flyers. And it was a great experience. I mean, got me here, so I'm blessed for it. And yeah. So yeah, no, Skaggs was another one we were hoping to get. You know, obviously 
You guys got lives outside of this, so I don't want to give too much of your time. Yeah, not a rip on Moe's um, and Duck Donuts, actually. Yeah, yeah we are going to Moe's and Duck Donuts. You guys are going to Moe's and Duck Donuts? All right. It's a pregame ritual. Boys, Do a we, made it a, we made it a weekly thing. So what I was saying is the stack most really like innovated the game of Mexican food by bringing the stack to the table. Um, Chipper's pretty good, but it can't beat the most stack. So another reason why I think we like mo we like most is just that it's, uh, it's neighbor Duck Donuts, greatest place on earth. Greatest place. All on right. Best so what's your Duck Donuts order? I mean, there's everything's good there. The boardwalk. You, you got to go with the boardwalk. It's a little cookies and cream, got vanilla drip, like marshmallow, marshmallow drizzle. Well, you got to eat with the fork. And every time we go there, we got to make like our own names. Like last week, I was slug. <laughs> I uh, was I was mulch. <laughs> yesterday, yesterday I was wood. Uh, the day before, I was shed. Sky uh, was shed too. Yeah. Dino, Dino was uh, Clark, and like yeah. The thing I was Clark actually gonna ask, was, and this is actually a, bit, a little serious. Um, Talk about how much it means having uh, your coach back. Obviously, there were some uh, absences last year. I don't want to get too into that, but tell me what it means to have him back in the room because I felt like that was definitely something where it's impacted you guys positively a lot from what I've heard. Yeah, last year was a pretty tough year for um, I think all of us. Uh, I think we started the year with Marco and we started off really hot. Um, I was new last year on the team, and he was a great coach to have. He really cared about all of his players. and Unfortunately, he had to go through a lot last year, and um, I think – Seeing the team like do well last year really helped through some tough times, and um, I think we really wanted to play for him at the end of the day. So when he wasn't in the rink, we were we all were thinking of him and doing our best for him. And I think having him here this year has made a huge impact. Like I think having him here every single day like makes us work even harder in practice and in games. Talk a little bit about your relationship on Ace, because you know you you can hear him from uh, way up in the nest <laughs> oh, yeah. when you're practicing, and I I know that's something bad, but uh, talk about what it means when he's like yelling at you guys a little bit. Like, what? How do you guys feel about that kind of stuff? Like, you, I'm sure you appreciate it. But. Yeah, it's it's tough love. I think. Um, I think he wants the best for all of us. He cares about all of us so deeply. Like, he can be yelling at us on the ice, and two minutes later be in the locker room hanging out with the boys. So, I think. It's for our best interest, and he can get loud, but I think it really makes us focus up. Because I think sometimes we get distracted with having fun and talking. Like we love, we love playing it. So I think we can get distracted having fun sometimes. But when it's time to get serious, I think he lets us know, and I think he does a good job balancing yelling at us and also being being a good friend. All right, I don't know if you want to take this one too, but I did have some questions about Coach Frank too. If you guys oh. want to answer. Oh, who wants that one? I, I know. You guys love Frank. But, Frank's a beauty. I know Frank's a huge fan of John John, who said about five words so far. But, you know, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I know he's a little Frank, shy. It'll be fine. Frank all my life. He's, he's a very good guy. All right, so what do you guys have to say about Frank? Yeah, so growing up on Long Island, um, Frank was like, he was playing juniors when we were growing up. So a lot of the Long Island guys grew, like, grew up like somewhat like looking up to him because he'd be working the camps we'd be at. So. Me, seeing him every day at the rink for the camps was like good because like you got to see what it was like to play at the junior college and pro level, and uh, he's a good especially for the D because he works the the back end of the bench. It's good having him back there. Like he trusts he trusts every single one of us when we're out there. So I don't know. I like it, but uh, I feel like someone <laughs> shook their head, head there a little bit. But we're not going to comment on that. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's a very uh, positive messaging thing. So. Hey, look, I don't, I don't want to take up too much of your time. The good news is when we come back, I have two more boxes of 
40 packs of fruit snacks. It's great. I'm going to get a uh, Matusa salad, I think. I also, uh, we, we want to get Bertain and up on the um, Miranda's stool. She forgot it today. Do you think he's going to be down for that? Oh, yeah. Geeks? Yeah. Yeah, because we, we, we should interview Keeks. Keeks. Yeah. Well, we, we, is that what you call me? Yeah, Kiki, Kiki yeah. Kiki, all right. Thank you so much for coming down here. We'll get more content from you guys. Hopefully, we'll have a episode up soon that uh, gets, uh, what's it called? Camilla's Instagram followers up. Yeah. <laughs> it needs it. It makes it feel better. Follow. Go follow at Carlos Clicks. <laughs> all righty. That's a wrap. All right. Welcome to the very first edition of Ride the Pine. We got the most interesting man at the ranks. Head coach, Alexei Nikiforov. How you doing, Coach Alexei? Thank you. I'm not bad. So you guys are coming off a Monday morning matinee win against Wilkes-Barre Scranton. You want to talk about that at all? Yeah, for sure. Uh, we know before I meet them, we know that we're going against tough uh, opponent who is uh, right, a leader score. Going into Monday. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, we know that uh, we, watched, we saw them couple times when oh, I was in a Merrimack College uh, Allen's Hockey Club showcase. So we have some information about them. Oh, yeah. They're a good skilled team. All the team. Yeah. The most guys who take care of that team at uh, 02, 03. Yeah. So that for us was a big, big challenge. And yeah. for me, it was very interesting. How our kids will commit and react, you know, play against three, four years older opponents. Yeah. You know, I actually talked to their head coach before the games. I told him that I thought one of the big differences was this, is that his team knew what they knew the stick taps. You know, we're going to call them stick taps. They're really slashes, but, you know, they knew what they could get away with. And, you know, we have a younger team that hasn't necessarily learned the um, part of the game that's half hockey IQ, half, like, Street fighting skills, so you know, talk about like uh, how it was a little maybe a little difficult for them to deal with some of the penalties and some of the calls that yeah, night. you know what? Uh, first game, even uh, was close game, we lost 3 2. That was a close game, and they and they came they came hard early, which was surprising considering their bus had broken down, right? But you know what? I stick out with this group of kids, third year, mostly core, stay with me three years. And, you know, when we start doing that, it was tough. You know, first of all, the basis uh, should be your athleticism, how strong you are, your physical development. So they look like a lot of kids at that age. They can skate. They like some basic stuff on ice, but they're not strong, especially that transition from midget to junior hockey. Yeah. It's a huge First of all, it's not only physically, it's mentally. Mentally, huge. Yeah, you can definitely tell that. I mean, the first game, you go down to nothing early. They have, they, they come back, they make it close, and then we, we get to Saturday, we get to Sunday. And Sunday was interesting because there were three goals in the first five minutes and 45 seconds. We were on fire up in the nest over there. We were pumped. And then, obviously, things took a turn for the worse uh, Talk about, talk about how it is overcoming the frustrations of blowing a loss. Like, uh, you know what? Lead like that. You know what? We're not first time when we take a lead, but I know our guys have to be more, you know, it's stronger, more patient, more belief in itself. So it's mean have to, on the bench, you're like good, strong spirit. They have to trust each other. You know, 
some guys are playing, you know, first gear for this team. So, and I ask them, please, uh, last maybe 10, 15 minutes to go, guys, please be staying the focus, more discipline, be more responsible, because this is the key right now. Every shift, very important. So, and they, they did, they did. But why we can finish, why we can uh, win the game? It's maturity and skill-wise too. We're not so skilled, not so smart around the net. They're not. And uh, well, obviously that. But uh, I know I, I know how skilled you are. You are. You've been. Uh, I still remember Saturday morning skates here. Uh, you know, it's also you know one of the things I noticed through games one and two was how when they were dumping the puck in, Wilkesbury Scranton w- w- was winning those battles. Do you think that um, holding the puck a little bit longer, not doing as much uh, dump and chase, do you think that helped at all on Monday? You know what. Uh, I usually I don't like that style, dump and chase. Yeah. But depend what kind of scenario the game is on. Exactly. Sometimes you know, to the end of the game, you have to play safety and smarter. Yeah. But it's still we develop. We over here for development, and that's why everybody knows who play right now for NCDC, who play for pro hockey, who play for college. They knows. Our legs will never allow them dump the puck because we get a possession. It's not so easy like the past weekend, take puck back from this phantom team, skill oh, yeah. back. And then even we just get puck back and then again dump and try go for the puck, it's not smart. Exactly. That's what I've always uh, loved about your teams. You know, I personally, just even as just someone who's watching, I'd always rather you make a turnover in your own zone trying to make something happen than just throwing it up the boards and turning it over that way. And you, you saw a lot of adjustments on Monday. You were running nine and five guys like it was Pee Wee Minor, you know. You got Angelo Pashignano missing for an exam. You got three guys out. Peter Allen, who was sick all weekend, he was told it was either go to hockey or go to school, so he was at the rink. Um, how, how do you think, uh, how do you manage a bench like that against a really strong Wilkes-Barre Scranton team? First of all, you know what, you have to know your players. If Peter Allen, he's all six. He's 15 years old. Yeah. You know, big body. You know what? It's very difficult for him to control his body because his physical de- development behind him, he's biological. He's so big. And play against all the uh, faster team, it's very, very tough. But if you play smart, control your skating, control the gap, not do too much, control the shift on ice, and that's happened. Yeah, obviously, uh, you know, if you, if you want to hear how I felt about the calls, you can go back and watch on hockey TV. You know, I was uh, furious about that last call, and I was not a uh, – those last seven seconds was a bit heartbreaking. What, what did you say to the team before you went out for overtime? Because obviously about 45 seconds in, Peter Petito just put it right in the toy department to win it. First, first of all, when we, we have a lead and uh, we got penalty. Yeah. So they go on a power play, and I told them kids, and I just explained them, describe and draw on the board that they were looking for, for the back door. Yeah. Because in the past two games, most of the goal they score on the back, from the back door. Yeah. And describe them. That's rotation, so cycling, so like that. It's in the beginning, they did it. But this team really smarter, quicker, you know, more poised. And the same, we can execute very rapidly, faster. That's what's happened. 
Both backdoor, they score. Score. Yeah. But when we go to overtime, before our past weekend we played uh, in New Jersey against Hitman, yeah. it went to for overtime too. For us, when we go to overtime, it's usually bad luck. We always lose it. Yeah. Last time, we beat Hitman in overtime, and this time they start feeling we can do it. I said, listen to me. You're going right now. You identify your man. When you play, this is mini game, one-on-one, man-to-man, three-on-three. Yeah. So we do it's a, lot of, a, lot of, a lot of practice in that. And uh, what's happened? Peter Petita just, just second shift. We just make a change. He walk in, inside out, with a decent shot, and yeah, yeah. pop in. That was a beautiful Beautiful. shot, a great way to bring it home. So you guys got a couple of games coming up this weekend. How do you think uh, this past uh, win against Wilkes-Barre Trainer, how do you think that affects them going into this? What right now? Confidence builder? Yes, absolutely. Right now we have probably everybody back to the team. You know, it's hurt us a very bad past probably months and a half. Some injuries came. Illness, so yes, uh, virus, but right now looks like okay. But we know it's a tough opponent right now. Aviators they have a lot of imports from Sweden, from uh, Russia, and they always pull some plays from a premier. So we have to be ready. All right, so we play with them before we split one win, one loss, and we respect that team. We know it's a little bit tough, we know it's tough, and Next Sunday game, we play against Rockets. So far, we played good. We have chance to win the game, but not enough. Maybe a maturity experience in the beginning of the season, but we're looking for for this time. All righty. And, uh, you know, the, and you, you can really see how much this team has developed. I mean, I think the biggest example of that would honestly be the Quinn brothers, who, you know, especially since um, Jacob Wong and Michael Shen, they, they're in China right now. They're trying out for the national team. Best of luck to them, obviously, you know. And they, they developed under you, too, also. Do you think losing those guys, do you think, like, I feel like a lot of guys have stepped up. They're really playing this Alexei Nikiforov style of hockey yeah. that wins games. Absolutely. They have, right now, golden opportunity to prove to themselves that they can play that level, you know. And uh, right now, I didn't see anyone, like, good thing that, you know, they, we don't have superstars. We don't have so much outstanding players who's a, Above everybody. Yeah. But they commit that hard working kids, you know, but they learn that right now I like their attention when I'm talking, do some structure, they listen. They're good listener. It's the same transfer in school. If you but listen in school, you become a bad student. Same thing in hockey. When you listen and uh, you know they follow that, I give them a direction. First of all, it's by yourself, it's your, you know. It's, how much you improvise, how much you, you know, create that. But direction over there, and they do it right way, right now. So I'm very happy with that. Well, it's, I'm happy to call it, too. I'm happy to watch it. It's been, it's been really fun these past couple of weeks. I wish Ron Kinnear had the money in his budget to let me travel with you guys. I don't think we got that kind of money, so I'll be cheering you on from home. Or at, actually, I'll be cheering you on from Florida, but that's, that's a whole different conversation. So thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to talk to us. We really appreciate it. John John really appreciates the opportunity to hold the tripod, and uh, hopefully we'll talk to you soon, all right? My pleasure. Thank you very much.
So obviously, welcome to Ride the Pine. We've been a little bit delayed. I know you guys dropped your first episode today, right? Yeah, uh, Pigeonhole dropped um, the main episode uh, this morning. They dropped they dropped like that kind of pre-episode, you know, just kind of fool around one a couple days ago. But yeah, the main one came out today. So, Well, congratulations on that. When we, when we finally release our first episode, we're going to be like, oh, yeah, our good friends at Pigeonhole, they were releasing on the 22nd, and that's actually the date we were targeting. So, <laughs> <laughs> I told them, I said, I said, it's hilarious how – on the release date of the main episode that I'm jumping on another one, <laughs> the NCDC. I said, it's crazy. Well, you know, we appreciate it. Obviously you guys are focused a little bit more on, uh, educating parents and uh, players about junior hockey. So the first question I have, and I'm assuming you second this, John, John, what's your honest assessment of the PAL organization? You know, my honest assessment from the outside looking in is that, you know, you, you don't hear a lot about it. I mean, especially out in the Midwest here, the, the big names that we always hear, are like the Boston junior Bruins or, you know, the Hitmen or, you know, the Monarchs and things like that. Pal is kind of a, an under the radar team that we just don't hear a lot about, but you know, it's funny. That's your first question. Cause as my channel has kind of grown, I've had more and more people t- tell me to do stuff on pal and and look at like their goaltenders and look at the players they have. And so the one video I made where I highlighted their goaltenders, you know, I know they have three, but two of them, you know, two of them played majority of the games and they had just unreal save percentages. That was probably one of my most viewed videos on my like USPHL, you know, like comment series. So I think it's a team that just a doesn't get enough recognition first and foremost, but then B, it's an organization that is probably right up there with all the other top, you know, programs out there. Yeah, that that's a that's a great answer, to be honest. You know, uh, and that's part of the reason we have this is to promote the organization. We get a lot of requests for more PAL content. To be quite honest, we weren't really sure why, but uh, we do. John, John, I think you were up next. Uh, yeah. Um. Well, I was just like wanted to ask you about um, what is it? How junior hockey, like how junior hockey is out there? I mean, out yeah, out here in the Midwest, West and the Midwest East. I mean, junior hockey is is just like the high school hockey in Minnesota. Like it is just, it's do or die, right? It's like every kid wants to go and play after high school, and you know, there's not a lot of null teams out here anymore. Like Minnesota's lost, you know, a lot, and so the USPHL is kind of the kid's ticket, you know, to that junior hockey life. And, you know, I hate to use the word cutthroat, but it's cutthroat. Like every kid is trying to make a team out here and there's just not enough teams out here, you know, for everyone to make. So, I mean, it's very much mirroring the high school hockey scene, which the high school hockey scene out here is like equivalent to probably like you know, Seattle's NHL team right now. Like every single game is packed. And, and I, you know, and I still coach high school hockey and it's like, it, it's just so, so intense. And I think that, you know, that just resembles the USPHL out here that, you know, it's every kid's dream to go and play in the USPHL. And a lot of people sit there and say, well, you know, it's not the NAL, it's not the USHL, it's not the BCHL, but to a lot of these kids, it is because that's the only option that they have out here. I mean, it's also the pathway to college hockey. This right. Is- right. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, uh, out here, you know, obviously, PAL is one of the 14 NCDC teams. 
in the uh, USPHL. I think I think there's only 14. Right. But, you know, like one one of the big differences I think between USPHL and the NAL is the obviously the reason the USPHL couldn't get D2 approval if they wanted it was it's about gate receipts, you know. Right. Yeah, I mean, and I, I think that honestly, you know, for 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 anyone to try to compete with the NAL, and I've said this on countless videos of mine, is that. Listen, there's just no way to compete with a league like that that's been around for so long. And I say that with, like, the most respect possible. But, you know, the NAL's been around for a very long time. And, you know, the USPHL is still very new because, you know, it was the Minnesota Junior Hockey League before the USPHL absorbed all those teams in Minnesota. And then you had the Western States Hockey League before they absorbed all those teams, you know, in the Pacific and out west. I just think that... I don't think anyone will ever be able to like, you know, directly compete with the null, but I just think that it's not about competing because the USPHL can send guys from tier three to tier two. And the NCDC in my mind is on the way up. I don't think that it's going to be competitive with the null in the next couple of years, but down the line in five or six years, I think the NCDC will be right up there with the null. That makes sense. You know, we, we, we've always said, you know, we don't, we don't expect a USPHL franchise to compete with them. You know, it, there, there's a reason for the distinction. Obviously, USA Hockey doesn't want to mess with their tiers. I mean, we completely understand. But right. on our end, you know, we got two D1 commits coming off of this year's NCD roster. Last year's roster, you saw Harrison Chesney go to, I believe, Northeastern. He's backing up Devon Levi's backup. He's like third or fourth string over there. So they're sending kids D1. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, that's the big. I think that's the biggest difference that you see between the USPHL, you know, the EHL and the NA3. And everyone always asks me to compare the three leagues. And it's just like, it's just such a beaten question because if you want to compare the tier three leagues, just look at where they send kids, right? I mean, because it's not about, you know, whoa, this team's better, this team's better because they can't play each other. That's been a huge topic on my channel the last couple of weeks is like, there can't be cross play. So how do we determine what league is best? And it's like, just look at what leagues are moving kids where, and that'll tell you everything you need to know. Um, yeah, that's 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 absolutely spot on. So uh, I don't want to talk too much, uh, John. John, I think you're up next again. Uh, yeah. Uh, another question I had: um, Is there any certain players in the PAL organization that that you've noticed that stand out to you? Well, I mean, right out of the gate, there are two goaltenders. I mean, anytime, and I, oh, I mean, their names, I forget their names. I wrote them down uh, the other day. It's Aglione and um, Smith. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, they're two goaltenders. and uh, Cameron Smith. Uh, Smith is the St. Lawrence guy. Scaglione is the one who's probably going to be taken over next year. And then you also have um, uh, Inzi, who I, I honestly forget how to say his first, his last name, too, honestly, right now. It's Inzerol. <laughs> Inzerilla or Inzerilla. Yeah. so like they 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 got they got three really solid goalies. No, they do, and that and that was that was the initial thing that I saw. Like when someone tossed a comment on there to me that they were you know on an absolute tear, the first thing I looked at was their goalies, and I was like, I mean, anytime you can have you know I guess you know three goalies that are just completely hot, and that and that's that's you know that's unheard of in junior hockey where you're playing you know, two goalies, almost every other, because their save percentage was, you know, so close. 
but that's good to see too. That's something that I look for when, when I promote programs is like, okay, are they playing everybody as a whole? Right. And I think that was the big thing that stood out to me first was the goaltending because honestly, they couldn't have been on that, you know, that streak they were on if their goaltending wasn't good. I agree with that a hundred percent. They actually, yeah, it really was. They, they actually had an issue actually where Enzi uh, had like a 48 save performance and we kept tweeting out he was in net. He was listed as the starter on the website. He was listed as the starter in Hockey TV. And Hockey TV kept tweeting. Or not Hockey TV. The USPHL kept tweeting it was Smitty in net. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we've, we've had issues producing them. And, you know, the other commit we have is obviously uh, Matusa Hudzvitsky, who's uh, obviously not from the States. He committed to AIC, I believe. Yep. Got to double check where he's from. I believe he's, uh, what's going to call it? Yeah, he's from Slovakia. I'm not going to yeah. try to pronounce his hometown's name, but like, <laughs> he's, he's the non-goalie who's committed to one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, like the goaltending obviously, but you know, it's just funny. Cause like all, I, and there's so many players on the team that have just like sent me messages on TikTok and Instagram being like, Hey, like you got to come on, you got to come on the podcast and things like that. And I'm like, I sent one guy a message. I was like, it's like, I will. But I was like, here's the thing. Like, I've only done like two videos on you guys. But if you really want me to come on, I definitely will. And I just think all, all the boys on that team are like, number one, they're great kids. Like, they're always respectful when they come into my lives or, you know, they, they throw comments on videos. And so I just think that all of them as a whole, you know, it's just a good program. Yeah, one of the kids um, uh, I know you're talking about there is Luca Layton. Uh who's who's leading this team in points he's uh one of the captains on this roster and you know he he's another kid we're, we're, we're gonna highlight as we move forward because he's uh he spent a lot of time playing with jeremy wilmer before wilmer ended up at i believe it was was it bu or bc I gotta, I gotta check that yeah wilmer's at bu now he's got nine points in 13 games there so he's doing okay yeah yeah that's okay to say the least yeah, he uh he he ended up in the um USHL for a while and he was with the Storm last year. Okay. He's only 5'6", so like I Late Leighton was the one who really pushed for us to like he's like, "Hey, I know you guys haven't dropped an episode yet, but you should go get this guy for the first one." Probably so he get out of doing an interview himself, but you know. <laughs> so he's played with real talent. It's definitely something we've seen with this program. Yeah. No, no, I mean that's and furthermore, I mean to see a guy that's play there and then jump the next level and the next level. I mean, that's, you know, that's stuff that I look at that stuff that I, you know, take into account a lot too. when I'm, when I'm telling, you know, parents and players where to go. So. Yeah. I mean, and, and this isn't a roster of a ton of imports. I mean, you got, you got Bertain and you got Hudvitsky. There's a couple others I'm not thinking of right now, but like this isn't Potomac where they got seven Russians and eight Swedes just coming in. You know, it's right. a lot of foreign players over there. Yeah. No, and I mean, and I, you know, that, that's, that's the one thing. Yeah. And that's one thing I like to see. I like, I, I like to see where you have a good mix of both. I mean, out here in the Midwest West, there's very, very few import players. I mean, it's strictly, you know, if it's not kids from Minnesota, you're, you're maybe from, you know, as far West as Colorado and, you know, as far East as maybe Michigan, right? Just because out here you can build, you can build a roster out here off of kids that, you know, are from Minnesota. That's definitely a huge difference. I mean, you can build the roster off of some kids from Long Island, obviously, you know, like Long Island junior hockey is a bit of a, 
it's a weird history. You know, a lot of it went through my, uh, my boss actually at this time, uh, who runs PAL and, uh, employs me as the announcer, which is why I said he's my boss. He employs me as the announcer for the elite team. Uh, he was like coaching back when it was junior B, he was coaching against John Cooper. He had guys like Mike Commissarek going through that organization, you know? Yeah. Very different. It was, it was a very different vibe, like 15 years ago. And, you know, you really can't retain kids that long anymore. No, you can't because honestly, it was like, I mean, there's, you know, number one, there's just so many options out there, right? Like not just the USPHL as a whole, but I mean, to really retain a kid, I feel like you have to be showing them that you are going to advance them at some point or else, you know, they'll just pick up and go somewhere else. That's no knock on, you know, any team at all, but you have to find the right team that fits, you know, your playing style. Yeah, that makes sense to me. And with PAL, I mean, you know, Tage Thompson had a cup of coffee here. Uh, you know, Higgins left uh, fairly early, I think. Thomas Eric stayed, stayed slightly longer. And obviously those are both NHL guys. Higgins, uh, I think he's top three in games played by Long Island guys. It's him, Scuderi, and Sutter, actually. Yeah, no, what I mean, and, and someone put a, someone actually commented the Tage Thompson in one of my videos, and I was like, hey, I mean, you know, just because he wasn't there for – you know, a full season, like, you know, it doesn't mean that, you know, he wasn't ever there. Cause I think someone said like, Oh, it doesn't count. He was only there for like, you know, a couple of games there, but it doesn't matter. Like, I mean, he, he, he came through the ladder of development, you know, in this league. So, I mean, it, you know, it, it counts. It's not like it's a, you know, a fraud or anything. He played games in the league. Also, um, uh, he's also an Oyster Bay guy too. I think he identifies more with, uh, he obviously identifies more of Arizona. I think that's really where he spent most of his off seasons. But uh, you know, we 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 can cling to that. You know, we'll put him in all our hype videos when we go over the alumni. <laughs> they're like, oh yeah, he played six games, and we're like, and we're clinging to those six games. I mean, you know, he put the jersey on, right? So I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, you know, I feel like these days too, it's like you know, as an organization, you have to sell yourself because there are so many. There are so many teams out there. So it's like, listen, whether he played six games or he played 75 games. We actually. Oh, sorry. Oh, you're good. Yeah. I mean, whether he played six games or 75 games, like doesn't matter. Like he played there. Right. Like, I think that's the biggest thing is like he played there. We actually, um, I was pulling up his stats. He was on a USPHL 16U team. And he did the year before he was in the AYHL with the Royals. In 16 games with PAL, he had 31 points. I'm assuming he was only 6'2 at the time. He's still only listed at 6'7". I think that guy's like 6'10", though, honestly. Like, he's just a freak of nature. Right. Yeah, he's – I mean, and honestly, for the contract he got, there's so many people now being like, like, the Sabres just got a steal, right? Like, I just an unreal steal. But for him, it's like – I mean, look where you came from. Like, you you played – you know, you played in the USPHL, and you're the, in the NHL making good money, right? So, yeah. He's got a page on uh he's actually got a page on the uh Junior Islanders website. As soon as he signed a contract, someone threw up the article and uh we were we were actually going through it before this because we were going over the guys who'd played here most recently. And I wasn't sure if he'd actually to be honest, before we checked, I wasn't sure he played USPHL. I thought he had just played like 14U or whatever it was at the time, but he played 16. Yeah, and I mean that's just, I guess that's the difference too. It's like, you know, that you know, that level really doesn't you know it doesn't exist anymore i guess you call it like it's kind of that's probably kind of turned into like 
you know, they turn that into the elite maybe, you know, but still, I mean, he played there. So I, I would push the heck out of it if I was you guys. Oh, yeah, we do. John, John, you're up. Sorry, it gets a little quiet if I don't yeah. uh, push him to. <laughs> yeah, he's got to, um, well, I kind of, I had some in my head and I lost it, but. um, You're all good, man. Hey, I mean, you know, I'm 22. I'm a recent graduate from the University of Florida. I pulled John John, uh, and by pulled, I mean I asked him uh, because I asked him. He's well, we do a uh, high school broadcast too, so that's where he comes from. You know, he's okay. Really yeah, no, that's awesome. I mean, I I love high school hockey. I coach. I've coached now for for five years. So he was uh, he was uh, throwing elbows and stuff. If we ever put together a hype reel for him, I wouldn't do it for myself. I'm not a self promoter, but if we did it to promote like a. Uh, the other people working with this podcast, we'd be pulling up all of his highlights of like elbowing people in the head, leading the league in pims. <laughs> a little bit of a goon action there. Yeah, he's our bissonette. He's just got to find his voice right now. It's fair. We'll edit some of this out. Don't worry. Like we're not going to spend five minutes. Yeah. Oh no, no, oh. you're 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 good. So, yeah, no, fire away, man. Whatever you got. Yeah, dude. All right, well, I mean, so um. Just talk about recruiting, man. Dude, you're good. Oh yeah. So I'm about. I, I wanted to touch on uh, the uh, the imports. You know, the guys that are coming in. So how many per t- like, per team, like out there, do people like pull from other states, or is it just mainly all Minnesota? I mean, we see a very, very heavy portion come from Minnesota, and just because, I mean, in every city out here, every town there's a high school hockey team. So, I mean, you, you think about that when you just look at the state of Minnesota on a map that, you know, realistically as a junior, as a junior team coach, you could stay in Minnesota year round and recruit, you know, a really good team and not have to leave the state at all. And I think, you know, then if you look at the rosters, like the blue ox or the moose or, um, or, you know, like the Hudson Havoc or the Squatch, you know, it's like those teams there are just so heavily Minnesota kids or even Wisconsin or in the Dakotas because there's just so many hockey out here, so much hockey out here, guys. Like, it, like they don't have to go anywhere. Like when I coached juniors down in Arizona, you know, it's a completely different landscape. You have to travel everywhere. Like I was on the road for like three months. Like I went to Denver, Vegas, Nashville, up to Minnesota, back down to Arizona, Utah. Like the teams that are the teams that don't have that luxury of finding so many players in state. And I think that's what a lot of people don't see about the Midwest West, even the East. It's like those teams have a gift because you can walk out your front door and probably find 30 guys. Yeah, that's crazy. Cause like, over here we got we got a couple guys coming in from China, Beijing, China. We got uh, we got everything. We, we got, got Wong and Shen. Wong and Shen. They're yeah. trying out for the national team right now. They are trying. They went back to try for the national team. They are on our elite team. They uh yeah China. We got yeah. like you know Oregon. We got kids from everywhere. Yeah, we we, crazy. we pulled a few for Premier uh John John and uh how many? What were we asked how many years he coached right? Oh yeah, how, yeah. How many years have you uh, been a coach for? Yeah, this we, is this will be my fifteenth season this year. Oh, wow, this will be your fifteenth oh. year coaching. Wow. So. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I I started right after um, I had to stop playing, so I went right into it. Uh, I, 
so I was I was actually coaching while I was playing junior hockey too, which was actually funny because I needed to make money. So my my first year um, going out to Colorado, I started coaching. So that was you know that was back in 2008 um, because I needed money, and so I worked at like the local just like Northern Colorado teams, um, but. After I stopped playing, you know, I was told I couldn't play anymore because I had my last concussion was, you know, just a complete blackout. And if I would have had any more, like it would have been detrimental to my health. So I started coaching youth hockey. Then I went to juniors and then juniors was until about 2018. And then we came back to Minnesota. I started coaching high school hockey because I wanted to break from the junior level. And now I almost like you get that itch to kind of get back into it when you start doing like all the videos and going on the podcast. So junior hockey is where I want to get back to, but I've enjoyed high school hockey ever since, you know, 2018. I mean, high school hockey out here is like coaching in the NHL, you know, to, to, to other people. So I was going to say, it gets a little, uh, it's nuts. Like playing hockey and coaching and it's on the weekends. It's the same time. I mean, how'd you, how'd, I just wanted to ask, how'd you manage that? Yeah, so like, so my first year in Colorado, so we we practiced in the mornings, um, you know, so we practiced from about eight a.m. to like ten thirty, and then you know after that it's like, well, what you know, what do we do until workouts? And so you know, I, all the guys had jobs, and I was like, ah, I was like, I don't want to go work at like Pack Sun and fold clothes, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like yeah. I just like you know, like I <laughs> the way I grew up out here was like, I mean, in Minnesota, like from the time you're born right from the time you can put a pair of skates on you do and that's really like all you know and so i was just like oh hell i don't want to do that so my billet family they had two kids and the younger one played in in the association in northern colorado and you know he was like hey you know we need coaches to help out blah 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 and i was like well yeah like why wouldn't i and so like that's kind of where like i got like the first taste of like okay so if my playing career ever ended what would I do? And it was like, I wanted to coach. And so I just, you know, I hung on to it where, where most kids just go to juniors to play it and they don't do anything else outside of that. And then their junior career ends and they sit there and they're like, Oh my God, what am I going to do? Like I already had my, what am I going to do well before my, you know, career came to an end. All right. All right. Yeah. Cause, uh, you know, that, that, that's actually, a fantastic story to hear i'm not gonna lie yeah. I, i'm probably gonna go get my coaching certificate too yeah. just because like uh you need three years to be a head coach anyways so if i wanted to do that i was gonna go start doing it this year oh yeah so it's cool that you did it while you were playing that that's that's wild so how many kids on your high school team uh i don't think you mentioned what school that was but how many of them do you think you're gonna be uh sending to juniors this year i don't know if that's too personal no, so I, so this year actually I'm coaching I'm coaching girls varsity high school hockey. Um, All right. So yeah, so but I was with I was with the boys program down Waconia uh, the years prior, and so my first year there um, we had two players we had two seniors that signed uh, in the NA three, um, and then they so they just played juniors they didn't go on to college. My second year we had a kid that went to play tier two. And then he played tier three in Ogden. He's still playing. Uh, he's at Weber State in Utah. And then my last year, since it was the COVID year, um, we had three guys that were going to go. But then COVID came along and they decided just to end up going to school. So uh, I guess, I mean, overall, you know, we would have probably had 
seven to ten. Um, but you know, the thing about out here is that you know it's a small town. Like the town was less than ten thousand people, so it really it wasn't a heavily scouted team. Like don't get me wrong, we had really good players on that team that could have gone to play juniors, but when you don't get the exposure like you do in the bigger cities in Minnesota, it's it's tough to make it to the junior level. Yeah, that's definitely something a little different out here. I mean, John John can attest to it. Uh, he's a little bit more connected to the premier team than I am. He still skates with them and stuff like that. But, yeah, uh, I still, uh, my, my stepdad is the coach of the uh, premier team. So uh, I do uh, skate with them from time to time. Okay. Uh, yeah, and um, I'm very good friends with all the elite kids and uh, most of the premier kids. So, yeah, I've, I've had a big connection with all those guys. But, yeah. Um, it was nice to um. We got a couple. We got I, a couple I, I, I was saying it was nice to uh hear what he would had to say. Oh, that, on that question. All good, all yeah, good. I was. I was gonna, gonna say, say that. Sorry. No, no, no. You're good. You're good. Yeah, I no. mean, I thought you had more, but no, I wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna close it. <laughs> oh no, no, we're not. We got so, a couple. Yeah, uh, I have a couple of questions. Um, we'll we'll edit this all out. Don't yeah, worry. Right, right, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you're good. You're good. Yeah, we're just, just still learning. We don't really have that flow yet, but we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there with it. You know, he's uh, – you remember what you were like when you were 18. I remember what I was like four years ago. God forbid I couldn't have done this. I still <laughs> – really, and I'm 22. No, I – I'm sure when I was 18, there was nothing on the mind except for playing, honestly. Exactly. So I, I can remember. I can relate exactly to that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but uh, – So what were you going to ask? Because it was uh, – I know, I know you wanted to ask uh, – I was going to say, well, I was going to say when he mentioned the COVID thing, I was like, yeah, well, COVID screwed everything up. I mean, he, so he could have sent three guys to juniors and then that screwed that up. That's going to, that, that's obviously going to mess with your numbers, you know? Yeah. I, I do want to get into it because we, we haven't really talked about this. We've talked about the NCDC team and they're, they're on a heater. They're just tearing up the NCDC division right now. You got the elite division, which is a little younger. I know you focus more on premier. Our elite team in, in New York's a little bit different because there's nobody over 18 on it. They're all U18 players or younger. Right. Like, yeah, there's more 16-year-olds. Yeah, there, there's some 10th graders on that team, actually. Like, oh, hey. I mean, there's... And Allen, right? And Allen. And, and uh, what's his name? Uh, Hobbs? Not Hobbs. Hobbs 11th. Uh, I, I, I love this kid. Uh, what is his name? Antonucci. Nucci. Oh, Antonucci. Yeah, Nucci. Nucci. 06, yeah. Mm-hmm. So they got 306. They got 306s. Yeah, very young team. You can't, yeah. You, know, you really can't compare that to what they're doing out there. And I've seen the elite down south of Florida just this past weekend. Like, you know, those are a lot of premier age kids to be blunt. But, you know, I we we got to raise it. It's something that you you're going to be uncomfortable with this. Obviously, the premier team over here with PAL, it's uh, it's struggling a little bit. Uh, and you know, it's a little bit harder being the middle team in the program, right? Like, you know, you're never going to be the best roster when you have kids going up and down. But you know, what, 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 in your opinion, like, cause that's the major weakness of the organization right now. What in your opinion is, are they going to have to do to kind of turn that around a little bit? Well, I mean, I think the biggest thing, like, you know, and I was talking about this on, on the pigeonhole podcast too, is, you know, junior hockey as a whole, like, you know, the record does mean something, but the record doesn't mean everything, right? Like junior hockey is supposed to be like, especially, you know, whether it's, you know, your tier three premier elite team or your NCDC team, like it's all about getting those kids better, right? Like it's having the right coaches, it's having, you know, the right systems in place, like having, 
a good off ice program, good on ice program, you know, making sure the kids are always doing something because honestly down downtime in junior hockey is a silent killer, right? Like you have too much downtime and you're missing out. So I think the, you know, the biggest thing is like, and for you guys out there, it's like you have the elite, you have the premier of the NCDC. So it's just like finding a way to move those kids truly up your ladder, right? Like in the elite, in the elite, you don't hear about teams having kids that are like, sophomores in high school right like that's just something that like isn't you know you people think of elite and they're like oh you know it's guys that couldn't make the premiere that are 18 19 or 20 but it's really not the case though right no they're they're an outlier for sure and you know i think i think that's gonna be a big boost for them is gonna be pulling up kids from elite over the next couple years but you know at the end of the day you know i'm a big fan of the coaching staff with that team though that that's a team of six wins on the season is there right. is something that you think that uh, whether it's from a recruiting standpoint or from, a, you know, wh- whether it's just, you know, m- more time is needed to like, kind of you know, get them towards like the middle of the division. Cause that's really what you want. You want to make sure they're competitive. So they're learning how to win at that level. Right. I mean, I, I think that, you know, if you have a team that has a lot of young kids on it and it is their first year of junior hockey, there's always a transition period. Right. And that's what I tell you know, a lot of the kids that I'm working with right now, you know, I have a couple that are that are, you know, 14 or 15. And I just keep on telling them and their parents, I'm like, you have to find a way to hit that transition so that you are ready for that level. And, you know, I think that it comes down to coaching, right? Like if, if you have that elite team and they're all young kids, you know, if you're if you've only won six games, it's only six games. I, I would focus more on, hey how many of these kids can we get up the, to the premier team next year? Right. Oh, how, winning a lot. It's the premier yeah. team. That's got the losses. Oh, premier team. Sorry. Sorry. Premier team. Yeah. Sorry. Premier team. So then it's, it's how can we get, you know, those elite players maybe up to the premier team to help out the premier team. You know, it's like, you, it, it, maybe you need to make changes between elite and premier drop guys down, move kids up, you know, get different guys in the lineup, you know, maybe drop a couple of guys down from NCDC. Um, you know, it's like the, there's always things like that that I think can happen as a coach. I think that's something that we're probably going to see more yeah. of this year because Elite Elite was shut down for a couple of years. They brought it back up with uh, one of the assistants from the old commissaric Bobcats teams, Alexei Nikiforov. He's their head coach. So he he brought this team together. There's going to be overturn next year. And, uh, you know, they're, they're bringing in new kids now for Premier. It's definitely something where uh, they want to promote internally, you know, you got the blades down south who are affiliated with us somewhat through our owner, and you know there's going to be kids they pull up from that tournament. Like I know you covered that, yeah. No kid with the blades. I don't know if you saw some of his performances this weekend. If there's a kid they're pulling from the blades next year, I'm hoping it's Monjo. That kid can fly. But you know, at yeah. the end of the day, you know, if Premier is getting guys to NCDC, you're basically saying they're doing their job, then, right? Oh yeah. And I think at the end of the day, I think that's the biggest thing. I, I mean, you know, if I was sitting here as a premier head coach and you know, I had a team, you know, middle of the pack, you know, or even, you know, lower seed, I, I would just continue to think like, Hey, listen, like my number one goal is to get kids better, get them to the NCDC, get, you know, get them, get them better from where they were at the beginning of the year until now, because you see so many teams out there and i mean the, and the midwest is at fault of it too where the the teams like you know the head coaches get so focused on just the record itself 
that they lose sight of all the players they have. And they're playing, you know, their first line the entire game, right? Like, I mean, I mean, you see some guys a time on ice, like where it's like 45 minutes a game. It's like, how is that even possible when you have like, you know, when you have four lines? That that can't be productive for the players either. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely something we've looked at with Premier is like Dino Manetta came up, Vernillo came up halfway through Vanillo, the year. Vernillo keeps going up and down. That's he's up thing. right now, though. Yeah, but he's up right now, but he, he keeps going up and down. I think that's what's kind of messing with the flow a little bit. I think it, yeah. him keep, you know, they have him and they're playing good, but then, then he goes back up and then they kind of just kind of lost without him. Yeah, I, th- I think one of the main reasons I brought this up, though, and, and John John can attest to this, obviously he's got a personal connection to the uh, – Premier team, which I'm going to edit out of there, but that don't worry. <laughs> you know, um, I, I mean, right. at the end of the day, uh, they're getting. We think they're getting kids to the right level. I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of the coaching staff there in the first place. You know, my question more came from the fact of, hey, if they're getting kids to NCDC, but their record is terrible, and obviously your main focus is, you know, hey, I'm trying to educate parents on where to go. Right. Now, I'm not saying I'm looking to pull five Minnesota snipers from your high school team, but how do you market like? a program that's not necessarily winning games to kids who don't really know that much about the league. I, I mean, I, first and foremost, I, I market the advancement because at the end of the day, I mean, junior hockey is just one more stepping stone to going to play college. And I, I personally like, don't get me wrong. Unless your record is completely sideways, right? Like completely sideways. I look at the advancements you have throughout the season and then at the end of the year. So, I mean, you know, for the premier team, you know, say that they end up, you know, middle of the pack, maybe slightly below middle of the pack, but they sent four guys to the NCD. I like even numbers. I can't do odd numbers. So they say they sent four guys to the NCDC. I would take that and sell that to, to one of the parents or players I'm working with. I'd be like, listen, to me, the record doesn't matter. Like, look at what they're doing for kids. They're moving kids up the ladder to the next level. Like, that can be your son in a year or two if you go in and stick with it. And I think, like, honestly, and I I hate to say this, but it's like junior hockey, it's like, it's a team, it's a team sport, right? Because you're on a team, but you're, you're there for yourself just as much as you are there for the team aspect. Because at the end of the day, you're on a team like PAL, you're up against 30 other guys, you know, to get called up to the NCDC or you're up against 15 other guys for a division one scholarship. So it's very much still a battle for yourself, but you have to be a part of a team. I a hundred percent agree with that. You know, I just think, you know, the reason we raised premier team at all and, you know, is because they're probably getting four kids sent up a year, if not more, but at the same time, they're this year, they've just had a rough stretch with the uh, records, you know, they did go on a four-game heater. They though. did have the four-game heater, yeah, and then Vernillo went up. Yeah, then Vernillo went up. They went on a four-game heater, and then uh, they they're like, Vernillo nope. Went up, and then yeah, Coach down. Greg, your yeah. team is winning too much. We got to call Vernillo up. <laughs> they uh, they picked up they picked up someone from the 18U AAA team, Tommy Doyle. He uh, made a pretty He's good a good ad. He's a good ad. He was a very good. And they ad. picked up a couple kids from the Null, I think, too. Yeah, I think they picked up someone from I believe was it Dakota the Sullivan. I think so. I, I, he's I, from I, Odessa. I, I, I'd, I'd have to double check, but you know, he was in the Brahmas. I think he was too. I think he was. They've pulled in a few kids because they've had a lot of injuries this year. But you know, uh, 
we, we did have to raise that. We've probably gotten, to, to be frank with you, you know, they've been the hardest team to cover so far because Elite is just a bunch of like 16 year olds going into Elmira and winning five nothing. And, you know, and then you got FDC, <laughs> they're rolling. And then Premier is like, we've sent eight guys up to NCDC and we had six wins. Yeah. <laughs> it's I, an awkward thing to market. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess like I, I would be marketing the heck out of, you know, moving the guys up because I mean, for you guys, you said how many six guys already, right? Uh, I think it's four, right? Four. Okay. So four I mean, guys. you saw. I mean, it'll be you eight guys by the end of the yeah. season. We'll have eight guys who will either have gone up or will be going up. I mean, next I, I year. They, they also tried to pull up some guys from the elite team too. They pulled up the uh, Daniel Jung for a game. I they believe. pulled up Young. Yeah, Young, Young should have yeah. been. Young would probably be with them right now if not for the fact he was trying out for the national team. Yeah. yeah, they have like two kids they pulled from like uh, Beijing, China. I think they have the relationship there because it's the Junior Islanders, and there used to be Charles Wang with the Islanders. So that's where the relationship kind of comes from. Got but it. They pull they 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 pulled these two kids in. This kid's like five six. He's just going all the way across the ace, carving through guys. But I was just I was just I was mentioning. Uh, I think you got mixed up with the people, Danny Jung. Oh, uh, Danny Young. Danny Young. The, oh, yeah. the defenseman? Yeah, from CP Dynamo, yeah. I thought you I thought you yeah, meant no, Wong not, for a second. Not, I don't not Wong. No, they didn't they, pull up Wong? They didn't pull up Wong. They pulled up Jung for a game, but uh, yeah, that's that was kinda, the only guy that's I think wild. that they pulled up. Yeah, but, is he um, older? Yeah, he is a, he's a senior in high school. So, All yeah, right. But, yeah, but, uh, like I said, just... I thought I thought you just meant... I just thought you meant Wong, honestly, because that's who I would have... That's who I would have called up. I would have called him 10, honestly. Sorry for getting our wires crossed a little bit there. Um, no, you're fine. No, but I think, like, yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, eight eight by the end of the year that have either, you know, been called up fully or, or win up versus out here in the Midwest West where I think right now, to date, this season, we've only seen one player that's been fully extracted from a, you know, from a premier team out to an NCDC team. That's, you know, that's Jake McAlpine who was with the Squatch. And, and I mean, honestly, in my mind, the, the kid should have never been down in the USPHL premiere anyways. Like last year he was with the NCDC. And then I think he made a stop in uh, with the Nall team in New Mexico. And then somehow he ended up out here, but the guy had like 61 points in 17 games. It's like, I don't think he should have ever even been down at this level okay. at all. <laughs> so basically, it's Philip Tomasino then, <laughs> right? Essentially, yeah. And I mean, it's just like, and, and number one, it's like, it, I, it's just like, it, I don't know how he ended up here. Number one, but number two, it's like, I don't get why it took so long for someone to grab him. Like the guy, the kid was like putting up like seven goals a game from the get go. I mean, you know, it's it's great now that he's been up there for a while, but just the case of like. The kid should have never been there. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what he was doing down here. I honestly, I just think that they had to find out. I think that, you know, I think that the Monarchs were probably full and they had to find a place for him. And I think every other team was full except for the Squatch because they're an expansion team. So I think that he just got dropped there. Like he was with, he had spent some time with the Blue Ox last year, but you know, by the time he showed up in Elk River, you know, I think all the other rosters were just full and that's the one place they put them. But I mean, still like kudos to him for like, you know, being dropped down from essentially like, you know, two tier two, you know, different leagues and then coming in here and putting up monster points. I mean, a kid that definitely deserves it, but that's the only, that's the only call up that I've seen that's come out of the Midwest West. Like that, that should tell you guys that like, 
listen, like if you guys are having, you know, four, six, eight guys that are going to be, you know, that have been up to the NCDC, you know, already or by the end of the year, like obviously out there, you're doing something better than what the Midwest, West and East is doing and the West too. And I mean, in the West, I don't think we've seen anybody come out of the West and go to the NCDC. Um, well, Andrew, you know, I, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to do this. Uh, we'll definitely plug your pod on our Instagram. I don't think we have yet, but uh, we, we definitely will. We're, we're, we're definitely going to use you guys as an excuse for why we've been so delayed instead of the <laughs> Florida showcase, because that's kind of a weak excuse. But you know what? Thank you so much for talking to us. Uh, and John, John, unless you got anything else, I think we can probably wrap this up. Uh, we got a lot of content. Yeah, we yeah. did. Yeah, thank you very much for all the um, these great answers and stuff. Yeah, no, guys, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. I mean, again, if you ever want me on again, I I'm always I'm always willing to come on. Oh, we, we absolutely will, and I'll probably be <laughs> messaging you anyway about uh, some of those uh, kids from some of those underscouted Minnesota kids that maybe we should be uh, having tendered this, this. Oh yeah, I'll send you a list of names if you reach out. So. Yeah, I, I absolutely will reach out. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll end up forwarding it to someone. They'll be like, why is the announcer sending us names? And then they'll <laughs> like, walk in one day and there's like five Minnesota studs on the ice. And I'll be like, well, this is why. Right. All, right. No, all good, guys. Thanks so much for having me on. All right. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll see talk you. to you. Sounds good. See you.